Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear, and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Sunitha John. Welcome, Sunitha. Thank you for having me, Kit. I'm so glad to be with you today. Sunitha grew up in a situation where she lived in the confusing and painful gap between expectation and reality. The people that she looked up to and should have been able to count on to protect her and care for her instead set such unattainable standards that she was doomed to fail which only justified their physical, mental, and spiritual abuse. The pressure to perform drove Sunitha to excel in school, and she graduated from med school with a degree in internal medicine. The drive to understand the abuse she endured caused her to study behavioral science as well. But all of her accomplishments were no match for the lies, the gaslighting, and the cover-ups that left her with crippling pain, shame, anger, anxiety, and depression. That's how she remembers it. But since then, her life has taken a wonderful turn in the direction of truth, freedom, healing, confidence, and hope, not only for herself, but for the others who find themselves where she once was. She currently serves as the director of Mending the Soul Ministry, an arm of the Hope and Healing Ministries at Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. The weight that should have crushed her is turning her into a diamond, Strong, rock-solid, multifaceted, brilliant, and beautiful. Or at least that's how I see you. How do you see yourself? Um, I would say resilient and tenacious. <laughs> Absolutely. You've had to be in yes. order to endure what you have, um, which makes you multifaceted. So there are a lot of things that have come as a result of that. Tell me what some of those things might be. I... I'm now beginning to learn um, about my identity, the gifts that um, God has really blessed me with. And, um, you know, I'm now dabbling in things like photography, poetry writing. And I dabbled in poetry writing when I was in high school. And it wasn't until uh, I went through Mending the Soul program here, chapter eight, I would say, so the eighth week around, Something came unblocked, and I started writing poetry again. Oh, I love it. So, um, you know, the dross is lifting, Mm -hmm. and I'm finally figuring out who I was made to be. Mm. What prevented you from recognizing your own identity before then? Um, Even before I could realize uh, who I was, I was told who I was. Yes. Me too. And uh, growing up, you know, what was told to me was, you're not good looking, uh, you're not coming from a family of wealth, so if you don't um, achieve academic greatness, you won't have anything going for you when it came to having a marriage alliance. Mm. Mm. Um, And success in life meant how best you redeemed yourself. Mm-hmm. So here's life. You're born now. Work your hardest to redeem yourself and keep 
and keep shame as far as possible from you and your family. So it was all about the family. Um, so it was a setup for failure. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because how can you live a life of performance and not have shame? Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. Exactly. But there's no way. Even if you did everything right, circumstances don't go right. Um, and so you might study as hard as you could for a test and still not get, you know, 100% on your, on your ex- results. Um, and there would be a failure attached to that, even though you gave it your best. Um, and it's devastating to think your best isn't good enough. Yeah. It was never good enough. And not for the people that you were trying to please and clearly not for yourself. And that's where it wasn't just the world mangling my identity. I myself started mangling my own identity. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us struggle there. How did you learn to overcome it? Oh, you know, I it took leaving home and leaving where I was, where I experienced so much spiritual abuse um, and learning who God really was, who Christ really was, what he did for me. Um, when I went, went away to college um, through a wonderful uh, leader in our InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, um, that, I begin to, that I began to really understand and find that God is not a sadistic fraud. Mm. But I still didn't own those verses. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and I didn't feel that I could walk through the valley of shadow, with the shadow of death and survive it. I still mm-hmm. didn't own it for myself, but um, I really began to understood who, uh, understand who God was. Um, because until then, I was just angry, angry at him. Um, for leaving me, abandoning me, um, not coming to my rescue, Mm. not following through the promises that were in the Bible. And growing up in, uh, during my childhood, I grew up in the church. Mm. (laughs) So, um, and outside of school, church was my extracurricular activity, we had memory verse competitions, elocution competitions, impromptu where I was given a verse and then I had to make a, a sermon in oh 15 goodness. minutes. And then, yes, no, we had those competitions wow. and, and I'd get first, pl- first prize for most of the you know events. But it, it, what was um, really crushing me was the disintegration of what... I sang at church, what I studied at church, what I read in the Bible, and what really happened in real life. God, when the rubber hits the road, God is not going to be there for you. Mm. You have to redeem yourself. You have to do what it takes. And God has given you um, the resources, and he set you up, but now it's up to you. Wow. And um, you had to work your way towards holiness. Mm. And you had to earn it. <laughs> what a lie. Yes, I was going to ask you to define spiritual abuse, but I think you just did. You know, being told things that were true about God that weren't true about God at all. Um, and ex- doing, you know, performing things for the church or for God and expecting him 
to reward you for that. That's not how that works. That's and uh, so many of us were taught that if you're just good enough, you can earn a spot in heaven. Or if, you know, yeah. if you just pray hard enough, then God has to answer your prayers. Or if you just had enough faith, but clearly because you ha- you don't have enough faith, or or things would be different. Um, and so it's always seemed like a heavy burden, a performance, and that's never what it was meant to be. And I didn't know that I harbored I so much anger towards God. Mm-hmm. And he demanded worship yeah. after the arbitrary way. <laughs> um, so that made me even um, angrier. In the church. That just, <laughs> this is so painful. Um, but, you know, we need to talk about it because I think a lot of people get stuck there. Um, and a lot of people avoid church because they feel like, um, you know, they'll come to church when they get their act together. And, and maybe that God is mad at them. Um, and they just have a lot of false ideas about who God is and what the church is and what it's supposed to do. Well, you're on a mission to correct that. So tell us about the turnaround. Um, the turnaround, so the more I learned about him, the more I went through Christian counseling um, and even counseling outside of the church, even through, you know, um, secular counseling. Um I learned to name the abuse, mm-hmm. name what traumatized me and what perverted the relationship that I was meant to have with God. Mm, so good. Married a wonderful man whose love for me I still can't comprehend because, mm-hmm. and, and I f- rejected it in, in the beginning because it was so strange to me. He mm-hmm. loved me, mm-hmm. my husband, and he still loves me unconditionally um, as, I mean, I would never say as unconditionally as God loves any of us, but the closest to that, that I can even fathom. Um, and it, that was scary to me. Of course. It was so strange. Like, you mean you don't want me to perform? You mm-hmm. don't want mm-hmm. me to be a certain way? And he was, he's always about lifting me up, about helping me walk in my identity um, and as I said, at first it was scary. I didn't embrace it. I was always suspicious. And it took about, I would say, 15 years into our marriage for me to realize that I was not doing our marriage justice by not letting myself love him. And it, and it, ha- and it had to happen parallel to me learning yes. to love yeah, and trust so. God. Wow. That seems like both of you excel in perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I don't know. It had to be God. It had yeah. to be God. And that resilience and tenacity that I was talking about in the beginning, uh, why did I persevere in um, fighting and wrestling with God, it, you know, to get question. to you show me just like Jacob did. You show me who I am because this is what you're saying. And this is mm-hmm. how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Why is there such a mismatch? So you show me who I am. I'm not letting go. And mm-hmm. it has to so be God. Good. So good. Yeah. Wow. So I am so glad that you persevered, and I'm so glad your husband persevered, because it's made all the difference in your life. Yes. Uh, For the first time, you realized, I am loved for who I am, for who I was created to be, and there's so much freedom in that. Um, 
And I think it's encouraging for listeners to hear that it took a long time. It just didn't happen overnight. Yeah. So tell me about that process. Well, once I became a mom. Ah, that's a game changer too. And raising these little guys, I have two boys, um, wonderful boys, uh, 14 and 11. I realized um, I have to become an adult now. I have to catch up with all that arrested development, you know, uh, that happened um, so that I can now raise these two uh, boys to become men um, along with my husband. And that really set me on a journey to um, be honest, to see where I was hung up, stuck. And my counselor to this day, he'll say, um, when I ask him, oh, could you talk to my boy for one session? Uh, he'll say, Sunita, the more work you do in growing and, and um, just uh, challenging yourself with truth, you will see how your children will be following in your footsteps. Yes, exactly right. And he's absolutely Good right. counsel. Good counsel. Well, not just in your lifestyle of finding love and uh, having children, but in your chosen profession, you are demonstrating this kind of love and acceptance. Tell us a little bit about what you do and why you chose to do that. Um, so I'm a physician, um, and my subspecialty is in hospice and palliative care. And I chose this um, specialty because I've seen how death, um, both expected and unexpected, can shred families, mm. can um, make my patients f- feel so ashamed that mm. they did not have the privilege of continuing life. They saw themselves um, exiled from God's presence. and. Oh. Um, even if they didn't believe in God, you know, it, and I, and I just, even that made them feel undignified mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. such a critical time in their lives and seeing the struggle and the desperation, I was like, no, I want to do something about this. I want to bring hope and inject hope into the situation. I'm not the bringer of hope, but I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to facilitate it. And I want to make sure these families and these patients feel dignified. Even in this moment, death was never part of God's plan, but it is, and he's, and he's defeated death. You know, death, where's your sting, right? So to bring that into these situations um, and to allow the patient to feel at peace, even in this situation, even when they feel they've lost complete control. Um, and that, that's what made me you know, choose palliative care um, because no family should le- be left so shredded by the trauma that's happened. Um, and with hospice you know, and bereavement, we make sure that support is followed through even for a whole year after the event. So, um, you know, it was Gandhi who said, uh, we make such a big deal about birth, 
why not death? Mm. It is just as important, and, and I think that's absolutely true. Mm. Well, considering where you're from, you have come so far in every arena of life, personally, relationally, professionally. So, of course, you would be the director of a ministry called Mending the Soul, where you're doing exactly for um, victims of abuse prescription that you received from the Lord about hope and about healing and the gift that you're giving to these families. So much of um, discovering our identity is recognizing that there is dignity in your personhood, you know, regard to, to name the things that have wounded you, to honor your person well enough to say, um, I see where you've been and I'm here to help. There's a better way and we can move forward together. And I love that you're doing that. Well, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, you're going to tell us all about the Mending the Soul Ministry. I hope you've been enjoying the series of conversations about hope and healing as we've been talking with leaders in neurodiversity, grief share, divorce care, celebrate recovery, and today, mending the soul. I can't think of a better time to talk about hope than the Advent season, when believers around the world and throughout the ages have practiced waiting in hope for Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. The angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For all people, especially those who have been wounded, shamed, abused, marginalized, or oppressed. The coming of Christ into our lives changes everything. Old things are finished and put away, and all things are being made new just like the fresh white pages on a new calendar. Thank you, faithful listeners, for being with us in the ink-filled calendar pages of this past year, for sharing this show with your friends, for introducing your friends to us as potential guests, for leaving great ratings and reviews so that people we haven't even met yet can join our ever-widening circle. We love to hear from you on our socials at NowICPod and on our site at nis.media. While you're there, be sure to browse through episodes with our previous guests. You can find them when you click on the blog tab. Be sure to visit our featured authors and causes on their respective tabs. Clicking their links will take you to their sites where you can get more information, give charitably, or make purchases. Well, you're already invested in this show if you've been listening this long, so let's get you right back to our conversation today with Sunitha John. We are back from our break with our guest today, Sunitha John, and I am so glad to be talking about Mending the Soul Ministries. So, Sunitha, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so, Mending the Soul, which is now international, um, is a recovery abuse recovery program created by the Tracys, uh, husband and wife couple, uh, counselors, um, and Dr. Tracy's a psychologist, I believe, and they uh, brought in so much of their professional experience as well as their personal testimonies, um, and wrote this book, which is so full of helpful data, statistics, um, along with scripture, scriptural truth that was transformational for me because going to church, 
in Sunday school, learned about David, Solomon, Samson as Bible heroes. So it was very hard for me to relate to anybody, any character in the Bible, because we were seeing them, seeing them as sinless. Um, Larger than life. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, and the Tracys talk about, um, you know, David and how he failed Tamar. And I was like, wait, how did, how, how did I just skim over that part? We didn't and, teach that part in <laughs> Sunday school. <laughs> right. It's a dark, messy story. Yeah. And the story of Judah and Tamar and, mm-hmm. and, the, and how Abraham uh, lied about Sarah. And so we, all of a sudden, these characters in the Bible became very human to me. And when I see now the exchange of, uh, that, that they have with God, back and forth, God with them, them with God, um, I can now relate and I can now own those verses because I am imperfect and I have tendency to sin and I have tendency to fall again and again. And, and Christ knew that and God knew that. And he's, that's why he came. And now was the beginning of the integration in my life. Like things were now making sense. And um, I was able to accept who I am in God. So, so important. So that really speaks to your need in mind that performance didn't make these people great. Right. It was God that made them great. They were screw-ups. They, you know, they did so many things wrong. And by recognizing their humanness and that God still was able to use them, he still loved them, he still came through for them, um, and, and their faith grew as they had a relationship with him. Those are the those are the things we should be extracting from those stories. Not that um, these people were so great um, that they deserved every good thing that God gave them. And I just think that's so liberating to uh, to see. Well, one of the things that um, you said that I really liked is you said, um, as the Tracys wrote this curriculum, they did two things. They made it real. I think a lot of times people who have suffered abuse can't name it. They can't figure out what's wrong. They know that something was wrong, but they can't really identify it. You shared an instance of a woman who didn't realize she was being abused um, before our mics went on. Would you tell that story? Yeah, there was um, this amazing person. She um, was very quiet when everybody was sharing their story. And then she said, um, you know, my husband did not allow me to use the remote control at home. I was not to touch it. Only he could touch it. I know that doesn't seem like as bad as your stories, um, but if I did touch the remote control, the whole atmosphere in the house changed. It, is that abuse? And mm-hmm. we were hearing this, and we were like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. And and um, because it's controlling. Absolutely. Not only your behavior, but what you think and um, and the atmosphere. Um, because if she had pushed back, then it would have been her fault that uh, these things were happening. And so to be able to, uh, to name it and to say, you are not alone, that abuse has a pattern. And there are certain behaviors and certain statistics here uh, that will back that up. And if there's a pattern for the brokenness, there's a pattern for the healing. So I love that. And the pattern for the healing is based in truth. Uh, so tell us uh, some of the truths that you learned through this program. I, um, mending the soul for me 
what it did was it crashed through all the paradigms that I had and the belief systems that I had about how God saw me and um, most importantly, educated me about the enemy and how the enemy is relentless at perverting the relationship that between God and man. And um, through legalism, through, you know, traditions. Um, and for me, growing up in the church, it was more legalism. Um, and I was carrying around all these tapes that kept on saying, um, you failed if you've not fulfilled um, your family's wishes. Um, you're not honoring your parents if you've not done A, B, and C. So it was difficult for me to honor God and to honor these paradigms mm -hmm. and these belief mm -hmm. systems at the same time. What Many of the Soul did for me was um, help me retreat away from all of that and to um, see that honoring God comes first. Mm. And you cannot go back backwards where you first honor all of these systems and philosophies and then expect yourself to be able to honor God as well. It was it was a very pivotal moment uh, for me when I read uh, Ephesians 1 and these verses um, that said, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessing in him long before he laid down God, earth's foundation. He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Mm. And when I read that phrase, long before he laid down the earth's foundation, I mean, I read that passage so many times before, but was never transformed by it mm. until my heart was repentant. An immediate thought that entered my mind was, I was gypped. I have been was. justified all along, very yes. deliberately good. Good. conceived by God and the focus of his love, and he delights in me. I'm not, I don't have to work towards that. He already delights in my existence. Mm. Would you say that that's the thing that changed you? I mean, you you entered into a a time, a season of very hard mental lifting where you had to carry out a lot of garbage, rearrange the furniture, put up new art on the walls. You had to do a lot of things. Was it the reading of that verse that changed it for you? Was there a crisis in your life oh, that, that you were, you know, that God used as a catalyst? Or was it just a, uh, a season of awakening where God just was bringing the right people, the right verses? You were just ready to receive it. Which would you say for you? All of the above. <laughs> You know, um, I would say one thing to participants, future participants and current participants of Mending the Soul, healing is painful. It is. Nobody talks about how healing is painful. And there are powerful CEOs and uh, Navy SEALs and attorneys out there who cannot do the work that these women are doing in the program. It is hard but it's so, so worth it when you learn the truth of who you are and you can own those promises that God has and, and those verses of how he conceived you even before the foundations of the earth. 
it is hard work. So I would, um, yeah, I would warn everybody that it is going <laughs> to hurt, but as hurtful as healing can be, it is, it brings you to wholesomeness. Yes. I mean, clearly life was painful before the healing. Mm-hmm. So if you're afraid of pain, guess what? You're already in it. Exactly. So let's just keep pushing through. Well, I love that. So, um, so if people, so do some people come to the program not ready for the work? Yes, they, they kind of have to be, um, you know, somebody hold their hand and walk them through that. Is it a journey of discovery for them, or are they coming because they're in a crisis and they know they need help? There are some who don't um, know how to be ready for it, or didn't know that they were not ready. Yeah, like and, that woman. and some are ready. You mm-hmm. know, it's we have a whole spectrum of people, but I would say I applaud them for registering, for even looking into it, for even talking to me or any of the other leaders, um, because you know there's a desire to heal, and and you want to fuel that desire. And if if not this season, the next, come back. Oh, I, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because I was going to say this program won't fix anybody, you might need to, this might be a long process for you. And that's why I went through the program myself several times. I, even though I was facilitating, I was still going through it. And it is each time a layer comes off. Oh, so good. (laughs) So good. And I don't know that we ever receive our complete healing here, but boy, the journey on the other side of that, the weight is lighter and you're so free to take other people off the performance treadmill. You're so free to be generous with your your affections and your thoughts towards people. You're so free to uh, to dance in the truth that we have when so much of life was, you know, a network of lies and half-truths and gaslighting. It's It's so worth it. It's so worth it. So even if we never complete the journey, just being um, on the road to healing just feels so good. If anything, a safe place to say, I'm I'm really, I don't know if I should be angry at God, but I feel angry at God. Mm. And and to go start from there, and then that's so hard to say yeah. at church, yes, isn't it? Yes, isn't it? So I love that you're creating a safe place for people to do that because that was part of your story. Do you find a lot of people come and they are angry with God? Yes. And we allow them to say it out loud, yeah. loudly, yeah. and and start from there. Because God wants to be in relationship with you, whether you're angry at him, whether you believe he failed you, he wants to be in relationship with you and show you the truth I love of how that. much he delights in I've you. I've been angry at my husband. I still love him. I've been angry at my kids. I still love them. I've been angry at my girlfriends. I still love them. Anger is part of a relationship, and it can only get dealt with if one's willing to voice it and just say, we can move past this. We can do better. Let's try. Amen. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. So what can people expect when they come to Mending the Soul? A lot of learning through... Uh, accurate information, data, statistics, and empowerment by learning how to name the abuse that they yeah, went through. so good. Um, and then seeking scriptural truth on which, you know, the solid rock to which then build um, accurate belief systems <laughs> based on God's truth, um, and which is the only truth. Um, and also to 
now be in relationships with a healthy outlook because we're bringing all the baggage that we experience through the abuse and that's how abuse can be perpetual into our new future relationships Mm -hmm. we're still going to have to raise children we're still going to have to go through our marriages and or professional um, settings right so if we can heal we can flourish in these settings before the mics turned on, uh, you were telling me that somebody once asked you what you thought was the most severe trauma someone could endure, and you said sexual abuse, and then you learned it was wrong. Yeah. Why? It is mental abuse. Yeah. So that's who this program is for. Yes, because once you've rewired or damaged neural pathways, and that's what the enemy does, you know, just to destroy... Um, what, how we see God and how we could see God. Mm. I mean, he's relentless. Really it started good. in the Garden of Eden and hasn't stopped. Yeah. So um, mental abuse, emotional, psychological, that can then per- be very pervasive. Well, the um, Mending the Soul ministry has been part of Irving Bible's Hope and Healing Ministry for several years. Why should churches follow uh, Irving Bible's lead? Why should they have programs like this? Walking people into freedom. Mm. (laughs) If you look at the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's about that walk into freedom, walking into that abundant life that God wants so badly for you, and to know what happened on the cross and to know what happened after. That's the most important. I agree. That's the gospel. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can be saved from all the evil that you've done and that's been done to you. That's the good news. And the churches have to create a safe place for both men and women to do that. I agree. I agree. So if people want to find out more about the... um, international work that Mending the Soul is doing. How can they find that information out about that? Um, they have a wonderful website, Mending the Soul website, um, and they have YouTube videos also that kind of where um, they explain how it came into being and what it has done. So there's a lot of resources on their webpage, videos, and you can also become a facilitator once you've taken the course um, online. So They've come a long way. Wonderful. And if people want to find out more about the specific program that you're directing, how can they do that? Um, They can do that through the Irving Bible Church website. Um, Go under Ministries, Hope and Healing, and then um, there we have several workshops, not just Mending the Soul, um, but for abuse in general, Mending the Soul is can be really instrumental on your path to healing. And then after that, you can take some of the other programs that are more specific. Wonderful. Well, this has been such an important conversation. I'm so glad you made space to have it with me today. As we close out the show, is there anything you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Never stop seeking the Mm. kingdom of heaven. Never stop seeking, questioning, and keep wrestling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like Jacob did. Mm -hmm. Um, Good. That's what I would say. Good. And for you and for me, (laughs) Jesus said, 
the truth will set you free. And it did. It did for us. You do it for people. And God brought so many people into my life. And mm-hmm. if I could give... Oh, I wish you would. <laughs> a shout out. <laughs> do it. Um, I praise God for my husband, the many counselors, the mentors, the authors, the rabbis, and even especially the women he brought into my life. And now my children who've gracefully accepted my learning on the job status. Um, what a good, good father God is. Um, my counselor right now, Hud McWilliams, author of Discipline of Disturbance, which is the second most important book I've read in my life, said something so profound to me. We don't change our living in order to become godly. We change our living because we have been made godly. Mm. Mm. Those are powerful words. And so are the words that you wrote when God began to open your heart and allow you to pour out your soul in poetry. Do you have a poem that you'd like to share with us? Yes, this is the first poem I ever wrote since I was a high school student. So maybe um, it's, you know, came out of my heart, I would say, once the draw started Mm. lifting, going Mm. through mending the soul. So it's titled Truth Redeems, Tossed into the Alley. A soul exiled, defaced by lies, and heart defiled. Gashes crisscross, wove a tall story to dismiss the one about who saved me. But found was I in heavenly pursuit, revived and restored to bear much fruit. My head on his lap, our eyes meet. By my divine father, I take my seat. What a beautiful way to end our show and for some to begin a journey of mending their soul. Thank you so much for your time today. This has just been an important conversation. I'm glad we had it. Thank you, Kit, for this opportunity. Mending the Soul has a global outreach, and the basic classes happen as qualified leaders emerge. Isn't that right? You can see if there's a group near you by visiting mendingthesoul.org. That's mendingthesoul.org. Sunitha's groups will be beginning in January of 2023. You can register online now through the end of December at irvingbible.org. That's irvingbible.org. Don't delay. Get your reservation in today. And listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise, and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.